Thanks for listening to one of our Sunday messages at Crossroads Bible Church. We gather on Sunday mornings at 9.15 and 10.45 a.m. To find out more about our church or to connect with any of our ministries, visit our website at crossroadsbible.org. We hope you enjoy the message and pray it encourages you as you follow Jesus. Good morning. Good morning. All right, so I read a book a couple of years ago called Seeking Refuge. And uh, the idea of the book, actually early on, uh, the first couple of chapters, he made this statement where he said, you can't follow after Christ without constantly being called into situations where you realize your great need to be hold on tight to him. Basically, that God continually calls us when we're following him into situations where we're outside of our comfort zone and we have no choice but to cling tightly to him. And so this morning, I get to talk to you about faithfulness. Faithfulness, how God has continued to show up and show himself in our family, um, and how he has continually called us to step out in faith with him. And when I think about stepping out in faith, it always like conjures up these images to me of stepping over some kind of dark, deep abyss where I don't know where I'm going to land or what kind of creepy, scary things are going to jump out at me as I do. Um, But really, that's not what faith and walking in faith with God has ever really looked like. Um, So I was kind of thinking about this, and I'm a really big scaredy hat, and I get scared really, really easy, which Charlie thinks is a lot of fun to take advantage of here in the workplace on a regular basis. And when Matt and I were first dating, he thought it would be fun to take me to a haunted house, which he didn't know how crazy I was yet because it wasn't fun for anybody involved. But um, that's kind of more what walking in faith with God has looked like. It's like the difference of walking into a dark room of scary unknowns by myself, which is something I would never do, and walking into a dark room of scary unknowns with my big, strong, manly husband, who I feel, you know, confident in his ability to protect me from whatever might lie in there, right? And so early on in our relationship, God called us into a thing that was going to require regular faith for us, and it was adoption. When Matt and I were still dating, God put on our hearts, you know, as we were dreaming about our family and our marriage and our kids we were going to have one day, he put on our hearts that we were going to adopt. And so it was something we always knew was going to happen. We have three beautiful children. My oldest two are birth children. And our youngest, Haley, who is 10 now, we adopted just one month after her third birthday. So we had already had two birth children, and I was doing children's ministry already, and I was at this pastor's conference, you know, once upon a time. And um, in between sessions, there was a room upstairs, and it was this lovely, like, soft music playing, and there was candles, you know, candle fire light coming out of the door. And I always say that God used that to draw me in like a moth to the flame. And so God used that moment, and I went into this room, and I realized it was a prayer room. And there was a woman in there, and Matt and I went in, and she asked if she could pray for us. And what happened that day at that conference was God used this woman for this amazing prayer of prophecy, like I've never been prayed for again in my life. And we sat there, and she prayed over us, and she laid hands on us, and she prayed about the adoption that we were going to have, the child that was going to come and be with us. And so we went home, and it was like God was saying right then, it was time. So we went home, we contacted an agency, and I can't even tell you how much God's hands were all over it. But within probably a year and a half, I had a baby room set up that was cream and like light sage green toile. And I said that word to my husband, and he goes, did you make that word up? 
I didn't. It's a real thing. And let me just tell you for the guys out there, it's adorable. Um, and so I had this darling baby room set up and we were expecting and we were waiting and then it fell through. And um, I say, I've never had a miscarriage before. I've never lost a child. I don't know what that's like, but I know what this was like and it was devastating. And so I remember at one point lying on my bed, just crying, weeping. And it wasn't because I wondered if God had even called us to that because God had been far too faithful. He'd shown up way too many times. He'd been all over it. It was the fact that I knew God had called us to that, and I wasn't sure why he would call us to that for the answer to be no, why the answer would be heartbreak. And I'm still not completely sure, if I'm being honest. I know that a few years later, we um, got our baby girl. Most of you know her. Um, and it was a completely different situation. We didn't go through an agency. It was this long, drawn-out story that I don't really have time for that was crazy um, that we maybe would have never stepped into had that other thing not happened. Um, it was a couple that had been at that church with us when our first adoption fell through. And so it was, once again, just God all over it. And it was so visible. He was so visible. And so we took the step. And we, we walked out in faith and we held on tight to him and we got our daughter. Now, very few people know that God is still actually calling us into this. And I really never thought that would happen. But over the last year, Matt and I have been talking to um, his stepbrother about getting our niece and nephew, which is kind of crazy because not that we ever closed the door to adoption. I mean, again, God gave us a pretty like firm vision of what family was going to look like for us early on. But we certainly didn't think that he was going to open the door when we have a kid going off to college, you know, and who was diagnosed with a seizure disorder a year and a half ago, and we're building a house, and my parents are ailing and, you know, aging. And so we really didn't think this was the stage in life that God was going to call us to that, but he did. And uh, as crazy and as scary as it felt, you know, to take on an 11 and a 7-year-old, we kind of kept going this we should be freaking out, right? We should be terrified. And we're not. This just feels like God. It feels like God is all over it. Um, and so once again, we kind of held on tight to him and we stepped in. And um, what happened was they were supposed to come this summer. And about three weeks before we were supposed to go get them, the stepbrother called and said, you know what, we just can't do it. And once again, we had the questions of, oh, God, why would you make us feel so confident in this? Why would you call us into this for once again for the answer to be no? And I still don't have a good answer for that any more than I did before. This is what I do know. I know that God gave us a clear vision for what family was going to look like for us, and he walked it with us. He showed up regularly over and over again, and he said, I'm going to do it with you. And all he asked was that we would wrap our arms around him, we would hold on tight, we would step into the room, and we would say yes. There's a story in Genesis 22 that talks about God's faithfulness, and I just want to read it for you guys. The offering of Isaac. Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, and Abraham said, here I am. He said, take now your son Isaac, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I'll tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled with his donkey, and he took two of his young men with him, and Isaac, his son, his only son. And he split wood for the burnt offering. And arose, and they went to the place which God had told them. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. 
Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go over there, and we will worship and return to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. He took in his hand the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father, and he said, here I am, son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. Then they came to the place which God had told them. Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. And he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son But the angel of the Lord called down from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not stretch out your hand against your kid and do nothing for him. Do nothing against him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked and behold to him, a ram was caught in the thicket by his thorns. And Abraham went up and took the ram and offered the ram as a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. And it said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. Here's the sticky part about faithfulness. If sometimes we look at faithfulness through the lens of completed action, I know the end of that story, the kid was going to be okay, so I can read it just fine. But often that's not how our lives look. Often God says, take one step with me and trust me on the way. Right? Often he says, take one step up the mountain and trust that I'm good in that because I am painting a bigger picture than you can see. And it's really easy to talk about God's faithfulness when we can see the whole picture. It's really hard when he says, take one step at a time, you know? And so one of the first places I wanted to start, we as a staff wanted to start when we reflected on God's faithfulness was, what does God's faithfulness look like if I don't see the big picture? Because what he was doing was foreshadowing Jesus, who would also sacrifice himself on the mountain a while later. He's saying, I'm going to sacrifice my child for you. But faithfulness and God aren't necessarily juxtaposed if we don't see the end game. And so my question as we reflect, as we look on, as we think about God's faithfulness in your last year, is where have you seen God's faithfulness? Where have you seen the faithfulness of God in the last year? And maybe, maybe it's a good completed action. And you can say, look at this, right? For me, I can say, I'm now leading this church because it was a step up the hill for 10 years here. Middle school ministry will do that to you, everybody. All right? But, But for some of us in still parts in my life, I can say, God's just asking me to step with him and trust him along the way. And like Chantel, remember that he's been faithful the entire way through. And so sometimes my answer isn't a completed action, but an ongoing commitment to remember that God is faithful as we step together. So what I want to do is I want to just sit with this question for about two minutes. And it's going to feel like 20 to you, and that's okay, all right? If you've got kids, you can talk about this with them. But I just want you to reflect on this question before we sing another song. In the last year, where have you seen God's faithfulness? So I was thinking this last week on how I've seen God's faithfulness in this church over the last year. And it kind of jumps off the page to me 
from all the things that, that I believe God has been a part of here. I think the biggest thing is, you know, Steve Hickson was here a year ago and we transitioned a major leadership role and the elders sat down and we said, hey, how can we plan this out really well? But I don't know if you've ever done this. You plan something out really well and it doesn't work out really well. And so we, we said, let's hope that this works really well. And then we got together afterwards and we said, how'd that go? And everybody says, really well, you know? I'm in this pastor's group and they keep asking me questions like, hey, is it okay? Have they mutinied yet? What bumps or hurdles have you found since you've taken over? And I said, either they're lying to me or this has gone exceedingly above what I expected in the first place because God is good. I look at this place and, I, and numbers aren't everything, but we're growing as a church. We had almost 900 people here on Christmas Eve to hear that Jesus came and cared for them. And what I love about this church, I think more than anything else, is I had the opportunity to sit in different groups, life stage groups. We've got young families. I sit in a, I'm going to be careful how I say this, older, wiser group a couple times <laughs> a month. I get invited to small groups and Christmas parties, and I just get to sit and listen and learn and remember that I'm their senior pastor, but I'm learning more from them than they will probably ever learn from me. And that is a sign of God being faithful, you know? And, and, and it's really beautiful when you sit and reflect, because sometimes we miss those things. But today is about habits of faithfulness, and it doesn't just stop with how God is faithful to us. Here's the next part. God's faithfulness develops in us a response. It develops in us habits. And here's what I want to push through. It's not enough just to know that God is faithful. God's faithfulness rightfully handled requires a response from his people because he's good. And Delenn's going to come talk about that a little bit right now. Hey, guys. So you guys may know that I used to be a high school algebra teacher, you know, and then I made a transition in my life, and I got to live in Jesus' world for, like, a long time. I, um, I, I worked at a church. I was on staff there, so I was obviously involved in weekend services with them. And then I was also a seminary student, so I was going to class, like, you know, three or four days a week, which also meant that I was going to chapel, at, you know, at seminary three or four days a week. So I was, like, living the Jesus world, right? I was going to church services literally five or six days a week. And, you know, it was like this safe bubble for me. But then life radically changed for me, like on a dime. See, what happened is, <laughs> well, I, I kind of met this guy. And seven weeks later, I, I kind of got married. <laughs> Not recommending it, but I'm just saying that's how it happened. And then, you know, it, it made a move happen in my life. So this, I had this home that I had loved, and I had all these memories, and I, I had to move away from that home. I left my ministry job. I left all of my friends. I left my seminary world. I left all of it. And I, I went to this little podunk place that was like, a cattle farming place that had flies by the billions. And um, my life changed just on a dime instantly. And one of the things that I noticed like really quickly about this is that I moved into a home where I, there were grieving children who had all lost a parent. And, and now they were being forced into this really super fast transition 
of things that they didn't sign up for. And life was like really, really hard, actually. It, it became a place where there was a lot of anger and resentment and hurt feelings on everyone's part. And we were all hurting and life was not fun anymore. And it was really, really hard. And in that moment, the thing that I realized so much, like real fast, immediately when I got into this new situation, I realized that all my time in Jesus' world, where I was studying and studying and studying and studying and reading about Jesus every waking moment, it hadn't made me any more capable of loving in a hard place. And and that really brought on a new transition in my life. And the reason I tell you that story is, this is the part I really, I really want you to hear, is that this launched me into a place where I realized that my actual life and my spiritual life weren't really meshing. They weren't really lining up. And I needed something that was going to help me. And God brought me faithfully on this really, really long journey um, of spiritual disciplines. And what I learned about um, spiritual disciplines is that spiritual disciplines are the, are the means by which we get to participate in the work that only God can do. Only God can actually transform and change our hearts. But spiritual disciplines are the way by which we get to uh, participate with that. Later on in the service, I'm actually going to tell you about one of the disciplines that was actually really helpful uh, to me. But right now, what I want to tell you about is how, um, how spiritual disciplines can really help us in our lives um, going on with the journey with God. For me, what, what spiritual disciplines have, have done is made me more aware of who I am, actually. You know, I, I realized that you can't change that about yourself that you don't even, aren't even aware of, that you don't even realize. And so I've learned to be able to discern and figure out like, gosh, that was a really selfish thing that I just did, or that was really unkind, and that was really unloving, or just whatever it was. And I've learned to be able to not only identify what the behavior is, um, in a much deeper sense than that, like I've learned to be able to sit with God in that and say, God, can you help me understand what's actually going on in my heart that's making me choose that unloving or unkind thing that I'm doing. Because behavior modification does not work. You can try all day long. It, it just doesn't work. Until you sit with God and let God tell you what, the thing, what, is, what is it that's actually going on in my heart that's causing that. And bringing that thing to him and let him help transform that thing, my behavior doesn't actually change. And so for me... Spiritual disciplines have helped me to be able to identify and work through those things. So what we're actually asking you to do here today is we're asking you to be able to say, hey, are, are there any places, you know, if any at all, where your actual life and your spiritual life aren't lining up and aren't meshing? And what spiritual practices might you want to be incorporating this year into your life that you would find helpful. I love that we're getting to, Charlie, I don't know if you've said this already, but we're, we're going to take January for the coming years, and we're going to focus on a spiritual discipline or a spiritual practice. 
So this is our opportunity today to think through, gosh, what is it that would help me to develop a spiritual practice, a habit of faithfulness? What are the habits that you're doing that are helping you form faithfulness to God in your life? I, I love the conversation of what faithfulness is, and I think it starts with who God is, and then it transitions into how we are faithful when we realize that God is faithful. And so, I don't know about you guys, but growing up until, well, it still is. Discipline to me is still a four-letter word, right? I'm not great at that kind of stuff, but what I love about it is sometimes I don't wake up in the morning and feel like being faithful to God for whatever reason, either because I don't think he's faithful to me or because I just had a long night or because I don't want to. So what spiritual disciplines do, it's not magic and there's nothing wrong with them. What they are is they're just ways for us to build those altars and remind us that God is good. And we do them all the time, you know? So we're going to spend January talking about prayer because it's a really good one and a great way to start. But what I want to do next is we're going to together do a spiritual discipline that we've done for 2,000 years. And it's communion. It's, it's you show up here and whether you're hungry or not, you force yourself to eat some bread. Whether you're still angry that we transitioned to gluten-free bread and you think it tastes like cardboard, we still show up. We take communion together and we remember. And in that, it propels us to understand and be faithful to a God who's been faithful to us. It's this beautiful expression that these things that we do, God uses to transform our hearts and minds so that we might look more like Jesus. So I'm going to have a reading from Luke 22. And what we have is we have stations set up throughout the room. And this might be a little different way than we've done it at Crossroads in the past. Nobody's going to give it to you. I, I love communion. I love taking it with my friends and family so you can talk through it with them. You don't have to use your whisper voice if you don't want to this time. It's okay. But we have elements laid out. Just go and grab some bread and grab a cup whenever you want to with whomever you want to. You can pray or you can talk about it. You can laugh. That is okay to do in a church because what this is is reminding us what God did. It's a habit we build in to not forget that he's been faithful. So let me read from Luke 22. It says, When the hour had come, he reclined, Jesus reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will never again eat this until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And when he'd taken the cup and given thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. And when he had taken some bread, he broke it and gave thanks. And he gave it to them and he said, this is my body which has been given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Grab a seat, everybody. So as we wrap up here today... I'm going to invite some of the staff to come up here. Uh, what we wanted to do was, we wanted to let you guys know two things. One, when we say the idea of a discipline or habits of faithfulness or things we do to grow closer towards Jesus, sometimes that becomes a pretty daunting question because it seems ethereal. So what does it look like in our Mondays, you know? And then, so we want to have a little panel discussion up here and maybe talk about it so we can get some ideas. And then two, I want you to know that we fail, if not more than you, pretty close to this stuff, all right? I know we're paid to do this as a staff, but let me tell you something, man. 
Life is not as clean cut as we make it. And so I just want to talk to these guys a little bit and ask them, hey, how have we, have we sought after God in the past? Uh, where have we failed as we've done this? And then what are some ways as we look forward that we're going to keep doing this in the next year? And my hope and prayer is that you have the same conversation with your family. So where is that disconnect between my spiritual life and my actual life? And man, what are we doing to bridge that gap as God is forming us so that we might show people that Jesus is our hope? Yeah. So one of the first questions that we had as we talked through this stuff together um, is just this. What have you guys done in the past to develop these kind of habits of faithfulness? And as we talked about this week, I think, uh, Delenn, you had something? Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, As I mentioned earlier, one of the things that I've done in the past as a spiritual discipline that has, I've found really helpful is um, something called the prayer of examine. It's been around since like the 16th century. Christians all over the world have uh, done this. And almost as old as Ian Cook. Almost as old as Ian Cook. <laughs> he listens to these things. I have to do it. I love it. <laughs> uh, basically, it's finding a time uh, in your day um, and making it a habit and asking yourself like three questions. And I've, I've heard it kind of done different ways, but generally these are kind of roughly the three ideas. Uh, number one, ask yourself... Um, when have I received and or given um, the most love today? Number two is the converse of that question. When today have I not been able to give or, and or receive love today? And the third question is, uh, God, what do you want me to know about that? Do you want me to know something about you, your character and your nature? Do you want me to know something about myself? Do you want me to know something about the circumstance? And I think the thing that has helped me so much um, in that habit, um, asking those questions, um, is that, you know, I, I, didn't, I don't necessarily see God show up like every day and have something, but it, over the long haul of doing that for a year, man, I can totally look back and see uh, how God is shaping and revealing things to me um, that I just wasn't paying attention to before. Yeah, one of the things I love about that is, you know, oftentimes it's like with working out a little bit, you know, you have these goals of I'm going to have a six pack in six weeks. Um, and really the best good is maybe just to show up every day and sweat a little bit. It's what Matthew McConaughey says about his workout. He said, I just want to sweat every day. And if I can look like him, I'm in. So, um, <laughs> One of the things, and you were talking about it, I, I, I was reminded of I, my best friend growing up, a guy named Tyler. He lived in Germany for a while, and I went to visit him. And they did this really cool thing. He lived in a house of people trying to start this church. And all of them were from Germany but him. And every day at noon, if you were at the house, they gathered in the dining room, and they just read a psalm together. That was it. It took 10 minutes, and they said, hey, how does that make you feel? And what have you noticed about God in the psalm? And then they went back to doing whatever they were doing. And I think I love that because of the simplicity of it. Because sometimes I'm daunted by my goal is to look more like Jesus. <laughs> okay, what does that mean tomorrow, you know? I know that, I think Nick, you guys have done it. I did it with the high school kids in Mexico. During lunches, we just have these readings of Psalms and we just say, hey, let's stop pouring concrete and let's remember why we're doing the concrete thing in the first place, you know? As God shapes and forms us. So really just the little things every day. And why we say it is because if we haven't figured it out yet or said it enough, there's not one way to follow Jesus, It's not an equation. A plus B equals growth, you know? God made us differently because he's creative. And so what that means is there's a lot of different ways that we cultivate our relationship with Jesus. And what works for some doesn't work for others. I'm going to maintain the Bibles in there somewhere in prayer, right? And coming to church on Sunday mornings regularly. But that's another. Amen. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, 
So we just want to kind of talk about some of the things that we've done. Another question I love that we talked about is, all right, so we've tried these things. We have not succeeded as, at all these things. So where have, as we've tried to develop habits of faithless, where have you guys failed? Like just failed, you know? So I tried, I set out, and Jamie can attest to this. I set out to do the morning quiet time. I've tried it. I woke up early at six o'clock in the morning, which is probably not early to some of you, but really early to some of us as well. Uh, I tried to wake up at six o'clock in the morning and I did it for like a week and a half. And I was like, I got this, I got this, I got this. And then there was one night that I just hadn't gone to sleep early and I woke up and I was like, this is miserable. I can't handle it. And yeah, so I was you like, ever pray and fall asleep during your prayer? Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. And so, so I had done those things. Um, but the, uh, the other thing would, would be sometimes like I'm not as faithful in, in praying as I ought to be. And it's, it's not super often, but every once in a while, I'll find myself Sunday morning finishing a song, praying on a microphone and thinking, I think the last time I did this, I was on a microphone. <laughs> and that's terrible. I feel horrible, and it's always God is super faithful in those moments. As I walk outside, someone's like, man, I just love your prayers. And I'm like... It's because you do it so often. Yeah. It's, those, those are my personal... Yeah, I mean, those That's are good, man. where I feel like... Yeah, yeah I get it. Uh, yeah, Nick. He hasn't talked today. I want to talk about my failures, too. Oh, good. I'm real good at failing. I know how to do it. Uh, mine, I mean, I guess it's similar to Andy. I feel like as a, as a teacher of the word and as a pastor, like I'm constantly telling people, you need to find personal devotion time. You need to find time to be in scripture and praying daily, if not, you know, maybe just five times a week. I say that all the time. And I think it's because that's one of the things I struggle with the most is carving out that time and keeping it consistent. Um, so I'm constantly harping on it because I really feel like as young people, like if we can, especially because I teach the youth, if they can really establish that pattern and that rhythm, it might help them not be like me where now I struggle, especially like after each kid that entered my family, it became harder and harder and harder because you want to do the morning time, but then your kid wakes up at five for nine weeks straight and you're like, well, I can't read the scripture now. Um, or then, you know, everything that you try to set, it just kept getting pushed back or changed and it's something that's really frustrated me is I want to be better at that and I I fail all the time um and I just I want to be better Charlie how do I be better you're the senior (laughs) pastor well you'd be more like Dylan hey so (laughs) (laughs) no preach um no so so out of that I think we can all reflect back on our failures and how we've tried and failed for it uh one thing I want to ask as we kind of wrap up is so as we've tried to develop habits of faithfulness, with where we're at right now, where you guys are at in life, um, man, what are some of the ones that you're trying to, to establish and develop right now in your families or personally? How are you guys cultivating habits of faithfulness in your life, like present day? I'll, I'll talk. Is that okay, Chantel? Yeah, okay. So uh, to answer that question, you know, my thing that I want to do the best at is what I just said. Like I want to be more consistent in my time with scripture. And I've realized that if I do that, if I don't just do it by myself, like if I incorporate the rest of my family, it becomes something where like my kids will pester me like, hey, dad, are we going to do the Bible thing today? Like it's not just my own conscience bothering me. I've got four other consciences trying to (laughs) pester me about it. Um, And it's great because no, really like my kids love it. It's weird. I don't understand. I definitely did not love it when I was a kid, but my kids, I'm like, all right, guys, it's time for Bible story. And they'll legitimately get excited. And I'm like, oh, cool. Okay. 
that works. Um, so for me, it's, it's incorporating my family, and I, I'd love to keep it practical and simple. Like, I don't want to say, we're going to spend 15 minutes every day in Scripture, and then we're going to spend 10 minutes as a family praying every day. That's never going to happen. I'm not John Wesley. I'm not Martin Luther. I'm never going to do that. The beard throws people off. I know. That's a problem. Maybe I should say expectations are too high when you see this. You think I'm wise. Um, And the gray hairs that are growing aren't helping me. They make me seem more wise. It's a facade. Um, No, so my thing is I want to keep it practical and simple. And so we've talked about it as a family. And we want to go for three times a week for five minutes. That's simple, achievable, and possible. So basically, we're talking 15 minutes a week. If I can hit that as, a, as the father in my family, I'm going to feel like we're doing better. And so that's really our goal is to spend five minutes, three times a week, talking about Jesus, reading the scripture, share, sharing a story, whatever it is. Like, that's, that's where we want to go. I love how small that is. I think sometimes in these conversations, we have this overwhelming guilt that comes with, I could always do more and I'm not doing it. You know, I can always pray more and I'm not. And that stops us from developing habits. And it might be a good starting point to say, you know what? This is all I have to give right now. I'm going to be faithful in the little things and trust that God grows into big things. Because, yeah, I mean, I'm the same way. Like, if I'm not praying an hour a day, I'm letting God down. And that's not true, but I feel that way sometimes. So I I love, hey, our win is 15 minutes. We can do that. That's good. Chantel. So ours is kind of like starts with failure because um, I'm a really big prayer person, um, but I realized I never am praying with my family anymore. When the kids were little, it was really easy because, you know, you tuck them in and you say prayers together. And as our family's gotten bigger and I have three kids who are athletes and they're all in stuff and we're never home. We're never home. We're like, you know, eating dinner at different times even. And so we sat down a couple weeks ago and we're kind of talking about our New Year's resolutions and things we wanted to do better. And my 10-year-old is like, hey, I'd like it if we ate family dinner together again some and prayed together, which is terrible that the 10-year-old is the one who, who brought that up. And so we kind of thought, well, when are we ever home at the same time? And so we sat down together and said, Tuesday, no, Thursday, it's not even Tuesday, Thursday, that's the one night of the week where we're all actually home. And we sat there and thought, well, what could we do? And we could pray together, but we could we could really talk to one another and find out like what's going on in our lives and what we could be praying about for each other on Thursday evenings as we sat together around the table. And so Our goal is just Thursday evenings, Thursday evenings, gathering around the table and really talking about what's going on with one another and and praying together for each other. Um, And we can do that. That's doable. I I like that. You know, I think, do you have something else? Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, um, you know, I've been asking God over a couple of weeks, like what uh, practice he might like to want me to start incorporating in the new year. And it's just funny how God answers. Like, he may not answer right in that moment, but it was like a week or so ago when I was driving down the road, it just came to me as crystal clear as anything. Like, the thing that he is inviting me to do is to um, work on gratitude. Like, he, you know, made it known to me how some of my actions and reactions are coming out of a place of just not being, like, deeply grateful and so, like, for me, the things that I want to cultivate into my year this year, um, I want to be able to say at the end of every day three things I'm grateful for mm. um, and just really work on letting my focus be on my gratitude rather than my focus being on the things that aren't right. That's good. Yeah, you know, we talked um, a lot this week as we, in the last couple of weeks, as we talked about God's faithfulness, um, 
I mean, I think we have a quote on the screen, but really where it starts is your recognition of your need kind of starts to develop your daily discipline a little bit. Um, so your recognition of kind of what I need in my life, whether it be to be more loving because I know a lot about God's love, but I'm not loving, or I need to pray with my kids, or be in the scripture more, or just be more grateful. When we recognize our need in the present moment, that helps to develop our daily discipline. So the simple question I want us to ask, I want to ask is, what do I need right now when in my relationship with God? And what I love about the community of God is we come together and we laugh about these things. And hopefully we encourage each other in that. And hopefully I'll text Andy and be like, dude, have you prayed today? Like, do it now, you know? Um, I love those things because they're gentle reminders, not that we failed, but that we're journeying on with Jesus together. And that's really the best part about the church for me. That's why when it says don't give up meeting together in the scriptures, that, that's what it means. It means so that you might charge forward one step at a time, cultivating habits of faithfulness to a God who's been faithful. And I love that. And so it's simple, small conversations that we need to stop down for because if we don't stop down, we realize that we don't have the conversations that propel us closer to Jesus. And so today, we just wanted to stop down. We want to ask, how has God been faithful and whatever that might look like? And then how are we cultivating a lifestyle that's faithful to Jesus as he's forming and shaping us? And so we're going to get into a series on prayer and talk about what we pray for and why we pray and what God does in prayer and try to break down that tension between the mystical and the God just uses prayer to grow me and, and hopefully learn something or spend five weeks in the Lord's Prayer after that in February. So, you know, exciting stuff. But... Where I want to start is what's God telling you? What's God showing you your need is? And how does that translate into how we as a community can encourage each other to develop habits, altars, to remain faithful to a God who's always been faithful to us? It's a cool conversation. So we're going to end today a little differently. Um, every week when we do the sermon, we start with a prayer. And we do that because, one, is we are active participants in this thing together. This is not a come and see and laugh at Charlie kind of experience. This is God is shaping, stop it. This is God is shaping and forming us. And that means that when we open the scriptures, the spirit does something. And so we pray every Sunday morning for two things, that God might use it to grow us, that we might experience God, and that God might use the telling of his truths to benefit and push us towards Jesus. And so I wanted to end today in prayer. And I want to pray for two things. I want to pray one, um, just that we take some time and pray silently. Or if you've got some family, you can pray with them. Pray that God might show you habits to develop in your family, that he might show you your needs, and that we might encourage one another personally to grow towards Jesus. And then I'm going to ask you to pray for us as a church, that we do this well. Because look, one of the last things I want is to come to a place where it feels like you're fighting uphill and everybody does it better than you. We are not that, you know? If anything, we're in this together, journeying towards Jesus, trying to encourage you as you encourage us to develop habits of faithfulness. Because as I look back, God has been faithful. So join me and let's pray, and then I'm going to read um, Psalm 111 for you as a blessing. So I'll start us off and leave some time in the middle for us to pray. God, I'm thankful that you are faithful. I'm thankful for moments like this where I can stop down and be reminded. I'm thankful that even if your faithfulness doesn't look like what I thought, the story's not done yet. I pray as we go into this new year and we look at how our lives are going to change, that part of that conversation is how they change towards Jesus. I pray that that conversation is not a shameful one, but an encouraging one as we take small steps to grow closer to a God who made us. So I'd ask right now, if you're comfortable, that you pray to yourself or with your family. Um, 
that, that God might develop in your family or personally habits of faithfulness to grow you closer to Jesus this year? And then I'd ask that you pray for our church, that we might not be an unapproachable group of people that love Jesus well, but a hospital for the hurting, where people can join in our efforts as we encourage one another towards a relationship with Jesus that gives hope to a broken world. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Psalm 111 says this, I will thank the Lord with all my heart as I meet with his godly people. How amazing are the deeds of the Lord. All who delight in him should dwell on them. Everything he does reveals his glory and majesty. His righteousness never fails. He causes us to remember his wonderful works. How gracious and merciful is our God. He gives food to those who fear him. He always remembers his covenant. He has shown his great power to his people by giving them the lands of other nations. All he does is just and good, and all his commandments are trustworthy. They're forever true and to be obeyed faithfully with integrity. He has paid a full ransom for his people. He's guaranteed his covenant with them forever. What a holy, awe-inspiring name he has. Fear the Lord. It's the foundation of true wisdom. All who obey his commands will grow in wisdom. Praise him forever. Might that be our goal as we look back to last year, recognize God's faithfulness, and look forward to where he's taking us. Have a great Sunday, everybody. We'll see you next week.